Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, it's Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast. It's Monday, August 8th. Well, it's getting personal now between Mayor Eric Adams and Texas Governor Greg Abbott. And what's personal between political giants has real-life implications for struggling families. Abbott has begun sending people seeking asylum in this country who crossed the U.S.-Mexico border in Texas to New York City. Mayor Adams says some of them against their will to make a point to New York. You want to be a sanctuary city? You take them. A second bus arrived at Port Authority with asylum seekers yesterday in this explicit campaign. And according to groups that help settle immigrant arrivals in the city, this has actually been going on for weeks, flooding the shelter and intake systems. Adams estimates it's 4,000 asylum seekers up from the border since May. But it's only in the last few days that Governor Abbott has said openly that he's doing this. Here's Mayor Adams yesterday after personally greeting the latest arrivals at the bus terminal and listen to what he's accusing Texas of. Some of the families are on the bus that wanted to go to other locations and they were not allowed to do so. They were forced on the bus uh, with uh, the understanding that they were going to other locations that they wanted to go to. Mayor Adams. So what's the best response here from city officials? What's the federal government's responsibility? The mayor is asking for federal help. Does Abbott have a a right to disperse asylum seekers to different parts of the country if they're arriving in Texas in very large numbers? And is Abbott treating families as political pawns or forcing families who are not prisoners to go places they don't want to go, as the mayor accuses him of? With me now, Murad Awalda, he's executive director of the New York Immigration Coalition, the Advocacy and Immigrant Services Organization, and Marianne Therapel, director of special projects for Catholic Charities here in New York. Catholic Charities helps to settle and provide legal services for many asylum seekers. Murad and Marianne, thanks for coming on. Welcome to WNYC. Thanks for having me, Brian. Thank you for having us, Brian. First of all, Marianne, what's your understanding of what's been happening this summer in terms of asylum seekers from Texas and Arizona coming here? And did something change last week with Governor Abbott's explicit acknowledgement that he is sending some people here? Thank you so much, Brian. So in the end of April and early May, uh, Catholic Charities Community Services began receiving individuals who had reported that they were being bused from the southern border to New York and being dropped off at Port Authority and other locations here in New York. And we began to receive them at our central office uh, at 1011 First Avenue in New York, New York. That office is not a service center. It is our executive management office. It houses our human resources, as well as our fiscal and finance offices and our executive management team. That place is not prepared to receive asylum seekers or provide shelter and housing services directly. However, we were able to marshal our efforts to respond to this increasing demand. In the last several weeks, that demand has moved from being a trickle of people to being 50 to 100 plus people showing up at that office on a day-to-day basis seeking services. 
they primarily have been coming to our office because they were told by officials at the southern border or by people who put them on the buses that if they go to Catholic Charities, they'll be able to receive a place to sleep, a shower, food, and uh, referrals for school enrollments, health and mental health services, as well as potential job referrals. And so our first line of defense in meeting this demand was to really marshal our efforts to meet the most basic survival needs of this community. In doing so, we also obviously identified legal demands of this community, which was further exacerbated by an issue that really began to happen the week of July 11th. All of a sudden, Catholic Charities offices, both at 1011 First Avenue, as well as at our main Immigration and Refugee Services Center in downtown Manhattan at 80 Maiden Lane, but also at some of our satellite offices, in particular the Kennedy Center in the Bronx, we began receiving mail for these immigrants directly to our our offices. The mail huh. indicated that the address of this individual immigrant was in fact our address, meaning that the Southern border officials who were issuing these notices to appear and hearing notices were putting in the respondent or immigrants mailing address, the Catholic Charities Community Services address. Marianne, to be clear, this is before you took any of those people on officially as clients? That's correct, Brian. None of these individuals are people we've previously served. We've never had encounters with them. We've never given them legal consultations. These people were unknown to us. And it makes sense because the hearing notices and notices to appear that we received were for the last month and a half, right? The date of entry was the end of June or early July. And so these individuals had only very recently been released into the United States. Many of them had not even come to New York yet, in fact, to be able to receive our services, yet their mailing addresses were listed as our address. So Murad Awada from uh, the New York Immigration Coalition, Along the same lines, I saw that you uh, commented to the news organization, The City, about some of the asylum seekers listing your group, in addition to Catholic Charities, which you also named, as representatives of people seeking asylum, and you're skeptical that the migrants are actually naming you. So what do you think is really going on here? I think uh, the officials at the southern border have been... uh, at random assigning organizations in New York as areas for people to come to. Um, I think there's been, we've also received notices to appear for people who we do not know. Um, And that is also, you know, a little bit distressing because that's where people, that's where folks mail is going to go to tell them where their hearing is going to happen, when it's going to happen. So it's been a bit troubling to see, uh, the notices to appear show up at the NYC, but also at Catholic Charities. And we've also received people at our doors, um, not as much as Catholic Charities, but um, we've seen families come here seeking support and help. Uh, when they're released from detention, they're not given their identity documents or any of their belongings. Um, and then because of that, that then provides them with challenges in receiving uh, shelter as a family, as well as um, you know, other services and care that they need in the moment. I don't want to lose sight of the situation on the ground for the families arriving here and make this all about the politics between Adams and Abbott. I I saw a statement released by Catholic Charities that says those who have come to our offices and parishes 
have been provided with emergency assistance, food, basic clothing items, toiletries, as well as critical information on shelter and medical resources. Many have appointments with immigration officials in the coming months, and our legal services staff is beginning to review their situation. So in what conditions and with what needs are you seeing people arriving? Yes, Brian. So, you know, what Marad has shared is accurate. The people that we're receiving at our offices are tired. They have been on a bus for multiple days. They have by and large reported that all of their personal belongings were taken from them at the southern border and that upon release from detention, those personal belongings were not given back to them. So individuals are coming to New York without basic identity documents, like Marad noted, including marriage certificates or birth certificates that indicate familial relationships, many of which are necessary to be able to be placed into a shelter system together. Furthermore, basic necessities like medications, even their Bibles have been taken from them. And so they are distraught, they are concerned, they do not have any resources here. Several have reported that they wanted to come to New York because they did in fact have a family or friend tie in New York, but upon arrival, that family or friend tie is no longer able to actually have them stay with them. And so they are in an emergent need for safe housing. Entering the shelter system has been really difficult and traumatic for this population, primarily when they aren't able to prove their family situation, meaning that a family may come to New York as a family unit, a mother and a father with children, but they don't have a way to prove that they are in fact a family unit. And so the adult male in the family unit is placed into a men's shelter, or if one of the children is of a mature age, they're placed into an adult shelter, while the mother and the young children are placed into a family shelter. And this type of situation is really problematic for this population. They've come to this, they've come to this state without any resources, and staying together is their primary need, right? They want to stay together. And so we've really encouraged in our conversations with the mayor's office, as well as with city council and city and state officials, that there be a welcome center or a respite center where these family units are able to stay together. In terms of their legal needs, you know, though they are concerned about their legal needs because of the impending court dates or check-in dates, there's massive confusion, Brian, about what they have to do or not do. And what does this notice mean versus that notice, right? this need for legal orientation processing, right? This understanding of the system in which they are entering and how to navigate it effectively, given the lack of access to representation for this population, which is another issue that we have been incredibly vehement and clear with the city about. These individuals are in active removal proceedings. They need representation. The chances of success for a person in removal proceedings increases dramatically if they have an attorney is really a complex set of circumstances and does vary between country to country. For example, many Venezuelans entering the United States at the southern border are given limited parole allowances, meaning they are allowed to be paroled into the United States for a number of weeks and then are required to check in with ICE. Others are not given parole at all and are just placed into immigration court proceedings and have hearing dates for the end of July, early August, going into September, October, and November, and aren't certain about what their responsibilities and rights are. 
Mm. And so we've really marshaled our immigration court help desk to respond to this issue, to be able to be that first responder, to give an individual information about what their responsibilities are to the court, to the Department of Homeland Security, as well as to enforcement and removal operations if they are required to have a check-in. But in terms of meeting their basic needs, Catholic Charities has been marshaling on our own generosity as well as that of the people that really support our work to meet those basic survival needs, providing them with a bag of toiletries, giving them directed referrals to a PATH intake center, ensuring that this family does in fact have all of the information that they need to make it through the next day or even that night. So much uncertainty and so many complicated needs for these families as we talk about the state of Texas sending busloads of migrants to New York City from near the Texas-Mexico border with Marianne Therapel from Catholic Charities and Murad Awada from the New York Immigration Coalition and Ariadna in the Bronx. You're on WNYC. Hi, Ariadna. Thank you for calling in. Hi, Brian. Thank you for having me. So you're working in this arena yourself, I see. Yes. So I'm an organizer for South Bronx Mutual Aid. We work across a wider network of uh, mutual aid and uh, response just from regular New Yorkers all around New York City. You know, we have a network within the Ice Watch network of people that just step in and we take care of whatever needs to be taken care of because, you know, many of us are either immigrants ourselves coming from immigrant families and exactly what was mentioned already on air, the plight of the families is, is horrific. By the time they've reached here, you know, in many cases, we're also talking about indigenous families that have been displaced in their home countries. You know, there are at times, you know, U.S. corporate interests or government interests that have caused their displacement to to end up here in the United States. And, you know, once they arrive here, there is just uh, a labyrinth uh, between what their legal situation may be. You know, in many cases, we've encountered now for months that these buses have been coming in. They're just now being politicized. By, by Abbott and in the news, but these buses have been coming for months. And in many cases, it's just groups like, you know, like ours, grassroots groups that are on the ground receiving people when we get notice that the buses are coming in and trying to navigate helping people point to point. You know, there's an absolute need for the type of center that was being discussed, you know, a center that can receive people and help them through this process. Because I just want to say I've been on the ground, you know, I've been going for now 41 hours straight. Um, working with some of the buses that recently arrived this weekend. And there's a lot going on. You know, families are coming in and they have no knowledge of where they're supposed to go, what they're supposed to do. They're coming in blind sometimes without identity documents, without phones, without money, without a way to, you know, communicate or reach people. And so it's our folks greeting them. It's our folks helping them as soon as they step off of the bus, you know, and all of our, our friends and allies and comrades that are coming through to make sure, you know, that people are being taken into shelter intake centers that there's translation for them, um, that there's explanation that they may not have regular documentation to prove identity, but they might have, you know, court, you know, documents or, you know, when CBP took their documents, there's another way to identify them, but they do have a right to housing. We had people over the last weekend that were turned away in, you know, from the shelter intake center, still going back in with them and making sure that their circumstances were explained so that they would be processed and then helping them get transported because sometimes the place that you go in for intake is not the same place that you're going to be housed, right? right? There's could be two separate places across two separate boroughs. And, you know, migrants were not always told that there might be a bus provided that would take them from point A to point B. So we've been intercepting migrant families, in some cases with small children, 
at all hours of the day and night that are just on the street and they don't have a way to reach anybody. So we're just intercepting them and transporting them and making sure that, you know, they know they have friends here in New York, that they have people that care about them and are going to stand with them in solidarity, that we're, we're not going to abandon them. We're not going to leave them stranded. Ariadna, thank you so much for your work, and thank you for sharing some of that with us. Murad, is there a federal responsibility here, and are they stepping up? I know Mayor Adams has asked the Biden administration for more help. I mean, we have this disparate situation state by state where New York, as Ariadna was just reminding us, has a right to shelter. Texas does not. Florida does not. Other states with a lot of migrants. But we have different uh, sort of official political attitudes toward those migrants. And yet immigration and asylum seeking is really a federal thing. People are coming to the United States as a country uh, to seek asylum from Guatemala and Honduras and Venezuela and wherever. They're not seeking asylum from the city of New York or the city of Houston. Um, So what's the federal responsibility here, in your opinion, uh, to aid New York or for that matter to aid Texas? Yeah, I think that's a question that folks have at the top of mind, right? And the federal government has to step up more than they have been, right? And there's a number of different things that they could be doing in this moment. Currently, there is, uh, or there was about $100 million in FEMA uh, dollars that were made available to uh, initially Southern states that were uh, expecting to receive uh, individuals. So there is resources available for shelter and food um, that is out there. And I believe that the city, if they haven't, they, they're about to apply for that funding as well. Um, the other piece here is that the federal government needs to truly uh, ensure that they make restore asylum from the Trump era. Um, the Trump era, they instilled these horrific policies that gutted the asylum process. Um, And then they also need to make sure that they're stepping up, not just for asylum seekers who are um, coming now, but also for folks who have been here for a long time in the United States and provide a pathway for legalization in this country. So it's a multi-pronged approach that they need to really take up. And the last time we had any meaningful uh, immigration reform was over 35 years ago. Um, So we really need to think about the, the entire spectrum that we're talking about as opposed to just, you know, this one instance right now. Um, But there are supports, there are resources from the federal government. And, you know, this just even goes back to Governor Abbott's, um, you know, intentions in this moment. Because if this is really about resources, the resources are there for his state to access. Um, But he's utilizing this moment and exploiting asylum seekers to push his agenda and to use them as a political football. Is either of you a lawyer? Marianne is the attorney in charge at Catholic Charities. <laughs> I oh, am. Okay. I am a lawyer. And then I think Cindy in Manhattan has a question that's going to go to you, and then we're going to be out of time. Cindy, you're on WNYC. Hi. I don't understand why somebody isn't filing a lawsuit against Abbott for what he's doing. This seems to me it can't be legal. You know, you can't just take people and put them on a bus and send them somewhere else. You know, so somebody should be, I mean, they've got to, they have to put a stop to this. 
Right, and, and we have another version of it, and Cindy, thank you. We have another version of it from a listener on Twitter, Marianne, who asks um, this. Uh, sorry, let me get let me get that back up. I have Cindy's box in front of me. Here it is. Listener asks very directly on Twitter: Is this trafficking? Is Texas breaking the law if, as the mayor claims, they are forcing people to come to New York who really want to go elsewhere? I think it's an interesting question, you know, uh, to address both points. I think that there are individuals at the southern border who are indicating that they want to come to New York. Uh, And then there are people who are wanting to come to New York or somewhere else and maybe being forced. So it's a very nuanced and complex issue about what's happening at the border. What we can say without question is that for CBP, for the Customs and Border Patrol agents to be placing or utilizing shelter or nonprofit addresses on these notices is an abhorrent practice that must be stopped. And that is a place where potential lawsuit is something worth exploring. It is something that we've talked about at the national level with Catholic Charities partners across the country. We are not the only Catholic Charities office nationally receiving these notices, nor are we the only one receiving people coming to our offices. And so this is a pervasive issue. Obviously, New York, D.C., and Boston are incredibly inundated, but we do believe that there is a a, a reason to bring this issue into litigation because of this improper use of notices to appear because as Murad noted, this is the only address that the government has for this individual. And if this person is unable to receive that mail, they could be at risk of being ordered deported by missing a court date. And that is a violation of due process. When the government is aware that these addresses are not correct, they have a duty to not prosecute. That is an essential component that needs to be understood here. Once the government is aware that this is not a correct address, they have to correct notice. And that is an essential piece to keep in mind here. Marianne Therapel, Director of Special Projects for Catholic Charities here in New York, which helps to settle and provide legal services for asylum seekers. And Murad Awada, the Executive Director of the New York Immigration Coalition, the Advocacy and Immigration Services Organization. Thank you very much, both of you, for joining us and filling the public in with more detail on what's going on below the surface of this battle between Mayor Eric Adams and Governor Greg Abbott. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks, Brian, for having us. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.